Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're doing this a little differently. Uh, I'm quarantined because I went downstate to a funeral on an Amtrak. So, you know, taking the precautions. I sound good because my micro- I have the board here. Ben is at his place. Uh, ben sounds a little weird. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a change, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, let's get it on and pop in here. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, July 21st is just moments away. But before we do this, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. That's correct. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. That's correct. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show and every Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. All right, looks like we have no song of the day request. So, Ben, we're just going to leave it all up to you. I think it's going to be that song from 1960. Well, I think it's actually 1967. Don't quote me. Uh, Jeannie C. Riley, country western hit called Harper Valley PTA. <clears throat> Here we go. The day my mama sucked it to the Harper Valley PTA. Wow, wow. <laughs> Just added the guitar there, D. We're <laughs> Just back. You'd want to hear the guitar. We're back. And the Ben Jarofsky show starts now. It is Tuesday, July 21st, and live from Ben's attic in my apartment, (laughs) this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, our good friend and Chicago Reader colleague, Maya Duke-Masaba. And now your host, oh, he likes to boogie, oogie, oogie, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Trump Troops Tuesday, and here's why. You have a good weekend, D? I had a good weekend. You have a good weekend? No, I did not, actually. I kind of figured that'd be the case. Why don't you tell everybody, just catch everybody up a little bit. We really missed you last week, so uh, people want to hear from you what went down, so go ahead. All right, well, uh, my father passed away. Oh, what is that noise? My father, oh, that's the email thing. I got to turn that off. I got to find mm-hmm. out. Oh, boy, that may happen throughout the show, guys. Uh, it happened last week a lot. It was actually oh. an interesting little uh side bit there but go ahead cool well uh yeah uh my father passed away i'm named after him i'm dennis sheeter jr that's my last name guys sheeter uh he passed away last week and i immediately went home took the week off a lot of ups a lot of downs big emotional roller coaster um you know i keep those feelings to myself my dad did not have covid that's correct 
Okay, wasn't COVID, just good old-fashioned, regular body malfunctions. So, you know. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it gave you a chance to go back home for a week. And uh, big differences between downstate and Chicago day right now in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, literally two different states. It's insane. I went up there, or I went down there. Uh, I saw a bunch of Pritzker sucks signs uh, in people's yards. And uh, yeah, it's it's insane. I would say people in the city, uh, maybe a little overboard. People downstate, way underboard. What? Where's the middle? I don't know. But uh, yeah, that was, yeah. Got called like a well, actually, wimp for wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah, I... I uh... Things, the city is was retreating uh, the last week you were gone. I mean, bars open, places packed. Uh, if it was overboard, that that is past. But although we could be returning to it anyway, it's great to have you back. I want to give a shout out to Brian who sat in for you while you were gone, uh, and uh, we didn't do any of the the typical Doctor D, another oh, doctor, uh, and betting stuff. Thank God, uh, I can still have a job. <laughs> In fact, we didn't even do the live feed. You know, we just up oh, there's the brown line D. Uh, and uh, so we just we did the interview. I did my bit. So, you know, we staggered through the week and really missed you a lot. Uh, my condolences to you and your family. Thanks. And I know it was a tough week for you last week. And uh, so I speak, I think, for everybody, even every listener, when we say uh, we're, we're rooting for you and um, glad you're back. So, thank, thanks anyway. to everybody on the live stream weighing in and uh, sitting their thoughts. You guys are awesome. Like I said, you guys are my friends. And uh, thank you. That means a lot. All right. And, uh, you know, we got to end this you and me quarantine bit because you sound better than I do. And it's my show. Good <laughs> damn it. I'm going to go do it at your house. You come over here back to the attic. All right. Well, it's all about the board. You know, that's know what I was the, worried about. I know the board. I want to run the board someday. That's my dream. I'm going to run the board just like you and Brian. Anyway. All right. Let's get back to business. Huh? Uh, all okay, week quit long. Pounding the table. <laughs> Hey, what does that sound like? I'm going to be actually, that's one of the gags I'll be doing. What does it sound like? Sound uh, good? Sounds Man. like the, the feds are coming. Is Madigan over there? Oh, well, get get ready. That's that's. Uh, oh, wow. You read my mind there. Anyway. All right. Um, that's called foreshadowing. Anyway, back to the beat all weekend long. I've been following the ongoing situation in Portland. And for the past month or so, if you haven't been t paying attention, there have been anti-police protesters rallying in downtown Portland, aggravating the hell out of the mayor and the locals. Uh, Trump finally decided to weigh in. He sent in the federal troops. D, I know you know about this. Everybody's been talking about this. It's been all over the news. Uh, not just any federal troops, but officers of Homeland Security. They're like Donald Trump's own personal army. Like they've uh, they, they've uh, have a blood oath of loyalty to Donald Trump and Donald Trump alone. It's uh, kind of scary to think of. I'm scared as I say this. I half expect them to come knocking on my door any minute now. There they are, D. Homeland Security uh, and uh, Portland's mayor and Oregon's governor say they don't want them. They've asked uh, them to leave. Uh, the Homeland Security chief says, tough luck, pals. They're coming whether you want them or not. So the weekend news was disturbing. Uh, all weekend, I'm reading about these militiamen. No name tags, face covers, can't even be certain that they're legitimate officers of the law, rounding up protesters, rounding up that uh, Navy veteran. Uh, well, they didn't actually arrest him. They just smacked him around a little bit. Uh, if this isn't fascism, ladies and gentlemen, it's too close for comfort as far as I'm concerned. And now Trump, 
says he's sending troops to Chicago. For all I know, they may be here right now. Hold it there. There they are, Dave. Put away the bong, all right? <laughs> Told you I was going to do that. I'm in my apartment. Oh, yeah. They're going to leave you alone. Oh, they, I like that guy. He's from downstate. It's that guy from Chicago where that hippie mother beep. We're going to go get him. <laughs> anyway, I'm not quite sure. I've been thinking about this, what these uh, federal troops are even going to do uh, in Chicago. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has made it clear she doesn't want them. Uh, but uh, as I just pointed out, Donald Trump doesn't care about local officials, and he certainly doesn't care about Lori uh, Lightfoot. D, you were gone. You missed uh, some great Trump-Lori Lightfoot feuds. I've been critical of Lori Lightfoot on a lot of local issues, but I'm with her 100% when she feuds with Donald complaints. Trump. <laughs> Yes, you have. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. She's watching. I'm with her 100% with Donald Trump, though. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what they're what they're going to do here in the city of Chicago. I mean, we obviously have a crime crisis in the city. Uh, we talk about it all the time. There's way too much violence. Uh, I have this theory. I've talked about it with Mick Dumkey. I call it the retaliation culture. Uh, you insult me, I go after you. It's not just in low-income black areas or uh, Hispanic areas. It's standard Chicago response. Witness Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Raylo, Alderman Raylo, D. Remember that one when they went at it? He said something that she didn't like. She cussed him out. He cussed her out in Chicago. If they were, uh, were on a Zoom, they'd probably start throwing chairs at each other or something. So, uh, yeah, the problem in Chicago uh, is the proliferation of guns. I don't want an answer. It's not oh, there we you go. Ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit is what I think. If you think we won't fuck you. Okay. Who are you to tell me I'm full of shit? All right, guys. All right, okay. So there you go. That's the retaliation culture uh, in the city of Chicago. That's more of a, a civilized version of it. They, uh, they, like I said, they were they were in a Zoom conference, so they couldn't throw chairs at each other. I've seen this stuff go down. I remember when Harold Washington and Eddie Verdoliak got in on it on the floor. I remember when Eddie Verdoliak and Slim Coleman got in on it on the council floor. It's Chicago. You say something to me, I say something to you. You want a piece of me? Come get me. That's that Chicago attitude. Anyway, the problem is just a proliferation of guns. So standard beefs get settled with weaponry. Uh, not sure what Donald Trump's troops are going to do about that. You know, we need peacemakers. We need jobs for people. We don't need like, like a militia coming. They don't look like peacemaking types to me. Are they going to go through high crime areas, sweeping the streets, just look, locking people up? I don't think that's what they're here for. Even though Donald Trump says he has a solution to violence and crime in Chicago. Remember he said that four years ago? I don't think he cares about violence and crime in Chicago. I think those uh, federal troops, if they come here at all, my guess is they're going to go after protesters. They're going to lock up people who are trying to tear down Columbus statue in Grant Park. That was another uh, situation that boiled over this weekend. A showdown between protesters and police around Columbus, the Columbus statue in Grant Park. So I got to tell you, everybody, if I were to make a list of all the challenges and issues facing the shitty city of Chicago. Hey. <laughs> it's a miracle. I haven't done that before. Come on, if Kim Fox. List, Clean it up. If I had to make a list of all the problems and challenges facing the city of Chicago. That's correct. Protecting the Columbus statue would not be on my top 10. But uh, my guess is that 
these federal troops that Donald Trump is threatening to send to Chicago or may have already sent to Chicago, this is not about making Chicago safer. This is not about helping anyone in the city of Chicago. This is about getting Donald Trump reelected. And I just happened to see a story about this uh, in the New York Times. A book came out just recently about the uh, what they call the construction workers riot. Now, hold on. I have a copy of it right here, Dave. Oh, awesome. I thought I would do this. Oh, that's what that sounds like. This is a newspaper article from this weekend. Uh, Working Class Rampage, the Hard Hat Riot, Nixon, New York City, and the Dawn of the White Working Class Revolution by a professor named David Paul Kuhn. Interesting. I haven't read the book, but I read the review. And it talked about construction workers going on a rampage uh, in 1970. What was it? 1970. Yeah, 1970, at beating the hell out of anti-war protesters. Uh, and Richard Nixon in the White House and his strategists figured this was a successful way of building their base, so to speak, and firing up their base uh, to get a, reelected in 72. And Donald Trump is taking a page out of that book. You know, you inflame a situation. I think he actually wants a race war in this uh, country in the hopes that it'll like win over swing voters in Wisconsin, particularly white swing voters. So Chicago, as we consider the fact that Donald Trump may be sending troops here to, quote unquote, protect us and defend us. Let me remind you that this is not about you. This is not about Chicago in any way. It never was. It never will be. It's all about Donald Trump. Trump trying to win re-election. We got a great show today, everybody. T, usually when I do that, Dennis is in the room with me and he's waiting, his hand in the air, like, we got a great show. Yeah. Anyway, we got to get this quarantine over. Get, take the test already. Study tonight, all right? Don't be like back in high school. I want you to study for that test. Uh, Maya is fired up. I talked to her on the, uh, on the phone before the show, Dave. She's impassioned about this case, the Charles Green case. And it's not it's not one that I was really aware of until she started telling me about it. And I studied up on it a little bit. So uh, this is a very fa- interesting story about Chicago, Chicago politics, policing, FOIA law, and uh, criminal justice in the city. So we're going to have a fascinating time breaking that down with Maya Dukmasova from the Chicago Reader. But before we do that... The young man just back from Alton, not only from Alton, but he just returned from Alton. And as he knows from having been down there last week, everybody in Alton calls him Dr. Doobie with the news. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) No one calls me that. Come on, somebody must. No, just you. (laughs) Yes, I'm back. Uh, Yes, uh, my father passed away last week, and I can't stress it enough, guys. It was not COVID, all right? Just got to say that, all right? I'm sure that's what a lot of people were thinking. You know, I don't really post about it on Facebook either, so, you know, just... Just know that, and I'm glad to be back. And, uh, yeah, if you just tuned in, we're doing a little uh, quarantining here since I was five hours south, uh, and I attended a funeral, and I went on an Amtrak train. We got to keep old Benny J safe, all right? So uh, I am in my apartment. I guess you could say I'm staying home. Come on. Home. Stay home. If there's nowhere that you need. 
So yeah, I'm I'm uh, at home in my apartment. I gotta say, Ben, I'm getting uh, kind of used to this. I kind of like it. Uh, oh, I'm not wearing not shoes or socks, man. I'm kicking it. I'm having a good old time. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. Oh wait, sorry, I got something in the microwave. Hold on. I'm loving this. <laughs> Hold on. Sorry, dude. Yeah, really important to take care of that microwave. Got some All right. chicken nuggets going on in there. All right, I'll let's. Be, I'll be right over. No, you're not having any. All right, <laughs> it's not quarantining. All right, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. And here it is, guys. Not much. Turns out everyone around here is still talking about uh, two big stories that went down back on Friday. Ben mentioned uh, the battle between Lori Lightfoot and Donald Trump uh, in the opener. Uh, but we're going to talk about the story that's going on statewide. Hey, Democratic Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan, dude, what did you do? And before that damn dirty coronavirus came into our lives and took over the news a couple of months ago, here in Illinois, there was another infectious disease we read about almost daily in our local newspaper. It was that damn dirty political corruption. And to be honest... I kind of missed it, so I'm glad it's back and possibly bigger than ever. The following comes from CBS2 Chicago. Following months of speculation about a wide-ranging investigation, federal prosecutors have charged the utility bigwigs, yes, the people you probably uh, don't answer their phone calls if you owe them money, comment, uh, with a years-long bribery scheme involving the company's arrangement for jobs, contracts, and payments to allies and associates of Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan. ComEd will pay a $200 million fine as part of a deferred prosecution agreement to end the federal probe, admitting it sought to influence, quote, public official A, identified as the Speaker of the Illinois House of Representatives without using Madigan's name. That's something a lot of people uh, do here uh, in politics. But uh, by arranging for his allies and people who perform political work for him to obtain jobs, contracts, and payments from ComEd between 2011 and 2019. 19. Comed faces a single charge of bribery. Madigan, 78 years old, has not been charged with a crime. Madigan, who also chairs in the Illinois Democratic Party, was nowhere to be found on Friday, either at his <laughs> district office or his Southside home. Now, if that were any of us listening... That would be called hiding, but I guess not in this, not in this aspect, I guess. Uh, did anyone check the produce department of his local grocery store? Perhaps over by the apples. He loves apples. Mm. <laughs> well, let's, uh, did you? Uh, no, I was just gonna, the joke I was going to make was he was picking apples in an apple orchard, uh, but you beat me to the, uh, the apple joke. Find me the apple orchard. Huh? Zoom. Get out of my face. All right. Uh, a, Madigan, a Madigan spokesperson confirmed the speaker accepted federal subpoenas for various documents. In a statement Friday afternoon, Madigan spokeswoman Mara Posley said Madigan will cooperate with the subpoenas and believes the documents sought will be pro uh, will prove, quote, he has done nothing criminal or improper. So 
That's the gist of what happened on Friday with the Illinois House Speaker. Our Democratic Illinois governor addressed this on Friday. Uh, Appeaved J.B. Pritzker, uh, without saying his name, said if these allegations involving Mike Madigan are true, allegations of Illinois politicians bribing people, by the way, that's what the allegations are, then Mike Madigan should resign. I have the audio. Shout out to CBS. Please don't sue us. Uh, sounding a little bit like Bruce Rauner in three, two, one. I have read several of the articles today, and I am deeply troubled and frankly, I'm furious with what is being reported. The speaker has a lot that he needs to answer for. To authorities, to investigators, and most importantly, to the people of Illinois. These allegations strike at the core of what public service means. It's a high call in public service. It's a high call. One in which we serve with a sacred trust to put the people first. If these allegations of wrongdoing by the speaker are true, there is no question that he will have betrayed the public trust and he must resign, therefore. In the meantime, I urge the speaker to fully cooperate with the investigation and answer all questions as quickly as possible. So there it was. And I'm keeping tally here, by the way, guys. So far, that is one for Madigan should resign and one for Madigan did nothing wrong. Of course, it was a press secretary who works for Mike Madigan, but hey, we'll count. Uh, Now, I have quite a few quotes from quite a few politicians and their thoughts on what we are calling, as of today, Madigan Gate. I will read those to you all uh, shortly here, but before we get into this, Benny J, you've had a couple of days to let this all sink in. Oh my. And uh, of course, there are still more details in this case that we have yet to see. But I can't think of a better time to speculate, so let's do it. In live stream chat, this question is going to you as well. Mike Madigan, guilty or not so much? All right. Uh, first of all, this uh, has been an obsession of mine since Friday, D. You weren't here, but this, this story broke Friday. So it was one of those days, just to share this with you, having nothing to do with anything, where we I had planned an entire day, and I had to throw it out the window. Thanks, Madigan, for nothing. So I'm not saying I hold that against Madigan when I say what I'm about to say. But uh, I don't know if the question is guilty, but the question of whether you should resign. I just wrote this for the reader. Of course he should resign. And this is interesting. I was just listening to your quotes uh, uh, from of the Pritzker. If the allegations of wrongdoing are true, uh, then he must resign. Well, it's kind of a funny thing. Why would ComEd fess up to putting Madigan's people on the payroll if it wasn't true. You know, I'm like, I know what they're doing. They don't want to come out and say he should resign. You know what I'm saying, Dave? So they, well, you know, <laughs> you're innocent until proven otherwise. And that's true, okay, in a court of law. You know, maybe not, they may discover that there was nothing that Commonwealth Edison got in exchange for putting Madigan's cronies on the payroll or doling out contracts to his payroll, but they've admitted to it. So I, it's like the whole issue of if these allegations are wrong or are true, I think the allegations in, in and of themselves are enough that Michael Joseph Madigan should resign. Now, I point out, I felt that he should have resigned when the Elena Hampton scandal broke a few years ago. So it's not exactly 
earth-shattering news that I would say resign, and nobody listens to me anyway uh, on matters like this in the General Assembly. You know, oh yeah, Ben, yeah, right, the hippie up in Chicago. We're gonna we're gonna have Michael Madigan resign because he says so. But I think uh, that's a little ducking and dodging by J.B. Pritzker when he goes, "If the allegations are wrongdoing are true," Commonwealth Edison just came right out and so you got to read the the the. Um, the facts, the fact sheet that they signed on to. I spent a better part of the weekend doing that D in preparation for a column I wrote on this. And it's like, they just spell it out. And the other thing I just don't understand, I will never understand, no matter how many lawyers I talk to, this is a, a minor point. Why are they with the public official A? Just name the guy. Public go, official uh, A. I know, public official A, who is the House Speaker. They say that in there. So it's like, okay, we all know who he is. Why don't you just name him? Sometimes the feds really annoy the hell out of me. I'm just throwing that out. Out there. Okay. Shout out you know. to shout out to Fred on the live stream chat. He says, "Well, A is for apples." <laughs> there you go. Oh, now I, that makes more sense than anything else. So yeah, if the allegations of wrongdoing are true, JB, you're hiding behind that one. I I think they're pretty bad as they are. Uh, and Michael Joseph Madigan uh, uh, should step down, in my humble opinion. I wrote a column about this, but D, what? That's not my complete opinion. I'm going to hold back on the rest of my opinion as you uh, read some of the reactions coming in. Oh, my God. Was that a tease? You know, let me just tell you something. I've been hanging around you for a long time. I've learned the tricks of this radio trade, all right? It's called a tease. The student is becoming the teacher. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's move on here. Uh, Feel free to weigh in on the live stream chat here. Uh, Madigan, guilty or not so much? Pat Rod and all caps says, guilty! Well, Commonwealth Edison admits that they gave, they bribed them. So, no, he's going, he's going to say, uh, they admit it. Well, what, by the way, what a cozy deal for comment. Let me just throw that out there, D. Okay. They, they're the ones. Okay. If you believe the, the, the feds, all right. Uh, you know, I know some of my friends of the Donald Trump MAGA hat wearing uh, persuasion don't believe the feds anymore. Uh, but if you believe the feds, although I, I guess this is interesting. You're going to hear the Republicans are when it comes to allegations about Donald Trump, fake news hoax. But when it's allegations about Michael Maddox, oh, well, the feds said it must be true. Anyway, if you believe the feds and their uh, the document they signed with Commonwealth Edison, they literally exchanged. They put uh, they gave jobs and contracts to cronies and friends of Madigan in the hope that uh, he would the state the General Assembly would pass legislation favorable to Commonwealth Edison. It's all stipulated there. My personal belief is that they would have passed this legislation anyway, because I've never seen the state really have a strong resistance to Commonwealth Edison and any other utilities when it comes to rate hikes. So I don't even know why they bothered to, now that I think about it, D, I don't know why Commonwealth Edison bothered to give Madigan jobs. And Madigan could probably say, hey, it's not my fault they gave me the jobs. I was going to pass the legislation anyway. That could be his defense before all was said and done, D. All right. And we're going to uh, try to post that on the Facebook uh, and Twitter pages as well. Uh, if you're listening to this on the download, feel free to find us. Benny J Show at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. In fact, uh, I'm looking at the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page at the moment. And right now we need one more like uh, to hit, I believe, 
2,300. So it'd be great if you uh, wait in there and uh, gave us a like if you'd like, 2,299. Give us a full 2,300, would you? So head over there and give the page a like if you've yet to do so. All right, you heard Ben's thoughts on uh, Madigan. Now let's read some quotes. Ben, are you pumped? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Uh, don't, don't get me started on Facebook. I really got my issues with Facebook these days. Let's just not discuss Facebook. Let's just move on. Yeah, let's uh, let's try and stay current in the year 2020. Please don't do that. Okay, here we go. Let's read some quotes. First, we have another uh, quote from Governor Pritzker. He held a Q&A in Peoria, Illinois on Monday. Oh, there goes the brown line. Ben, have you ever been to Peoria, Illinois? Yeah, uh, that's where the uh, state cross country uh, championship is. Uh, right along the the river, there's a park. I can't remember the name of the park, but I've been to Peoria many times. In fact, that's where the uh, uh, high school basketball tournament was. So I've been there for basketball and cross country. So how about that, huh? Pretty and good. Bradley University is in Peoria. So there you go. I know a lot about Peoria. What a nerd. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. He gave a Q&A in Peoria on Monday. Pritzker was asked, uh, have you heard more time? I'm sorry. Have you had more time to look at Speaker Madigan's ties to the ComEd charges? And do you still think of him as a political ally? The governor's response, well, was a little less planned than the last one we heard there. Pritzker said, quote, only, well, you know, let's set apart the last point you're making. I, you know, let's let's just say it's been very important to me that Speaker Madigan step forward to answer the questions that are raised in that comment. I don't what it's uh, I don't I don't what it's referred to information indictment. I'm not sure. Um, so, you know, that's something that that has got to get done. I look. People who serve in public office owe a duty of integrity to the people that they serve. Um, and there are allegations that are some made and some just implied in that document. It raises a lot of questions. And I think the speaker is going to have to answer those questions. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that, that's a hobbit, a hobbit, a hobbit, if I ever heard one. Right. The poor guy was, was not prepared. The indignation of Friday where he had his preparation. I am outraged. Uh, but that last point he made about, what was it? Do you still consider him an ally? See, this is the other thing, man. I'm going to get into this. Like, oh, we're just going to throw Madigan away, huh? Like he didn't do serve any good. See, I, I struggle with this one, D, because Michael Joseph Madigan uh, led the fight against Bruce Rauner for four years. And I was not a fan of him coming into 2014, but I really appreciate the efforts he took against Bruce Rauner, particularly on the issue of collective bargaining rights. So without Michael Madigan, Bruce Rauner might have been able to turn uh, the state of Illinois uh, into Wisconsin. He might have done Illinois what Scott Walker did to Wisconsin and go after the uh, the, the government unions uh, in Wisconsin. And that is what Bruce Rauner was all about when he got elected. I have no faith or confidence uh, that Mayor Rahm Emanuel or even President John Cullerton, uh, who was president of the Senate at the time, uh, would have stood up and resisted him. And Madigan was the one. He stood up and resisted. So I have, when, when they, you put the question about being an ally, I'm not just going to throw Madigan away and go, oh, the man did, the, uh, you know, the man uh, took these jobs from Commonwealth Edison, and therefore he was of no service or value to the state of Illinois. I think he did. Uh, he's perhaps one of the more uh, 
what do I have? They, they called him the goalie. I'll put it that way. And he defended. He was like the last line of defense against Bruce Rauner for all those four years. So I appreciate uh, the role he played uh, during that time. So I'm not just going to throw him away. And I think um, that's kind of like what in the back of Pritzker's mind he's thinking. Uh, you know, like he owes Madigan to a certain degree. Madigan supported him. Madigan's support was uh, helpful to him. So he doesn't want to throw that away. And maybe also in the back of mind, he's thinking, D, what if this guy is still around? What if he survives this? I don't want to alienate him. I don't want to be like the hippie in the attic. You know what I'm saying? Who That's it. No apples for Ben. Uh, so, you Welcome know, to Illinois, everybody. We're all so shady. <laughs> So, yeah, so, uh, you know, he, he, they caught him off guard there to have it, have it, have it with the ally thing, you know, but yeah, he was our ally. He was, if you believe in collective bargaining rights, he was your ally. If you believe in, uh, equality, if you believe that, uh, gays and lesbians should be able to marry, he was your ally. If you believe in raising the minimum wage in the last go round, he was your ally. So don't run away from the fact that Michael Joseph Madigan did some good things. You know, he's Democratic machine operative, folks. This is how Democratic machine operatives work. And by the way, it's not much different than Republican machine operatives. So don't get on your high horse, Republicans, with your, oh, my God, this is Democrats. This is something else that really irritates me deep, but I'll hold back on that one. Well, is that a particular Republican you were impersonating there? Yeah, the whole damn party. Oh, wow. All of you. We're really uh, uh, outraged and very concerned about this. Now, that was yeah, Darren Bailey. <laughs> you know what? I didn't see DB weighing in on this. Darren Bailey, the face of the Republican Party in the state of Illinois, the brains of the Republican Party. Right now, Darren Bailey is the smartest person in the Republican Party, Illinois, and he's the leader of the Republican Party. But they didn't turn to him for this day. Interesting. Maybe back in Florida. He likes to go back in Florida, you know, for vacationing and stuff. Oh, who doesn't? All right. Uh, we got more uh, thoughts Wait, here. Wait, time out. You didn't do your feed the hogs. You fall out of practice, D. <laughs> that is a good question, though. I mean, dude, he's really busy. Who's going to feed them hogs? There we go. That's what I needed to hear. We have more quotes to read uh, from uh, elected uh, leaders in Illinois on Madigan Gate. But uh, we're going to read some of your thoughts here on the live stream chat. Uh, Jim, what's up, dude? How you been? He weighs in. He says, Ben, how many? Okay. How many? (laughs) Slamming that drink down. How many uh, ex-governors of Illinois have been in prison? I can name three right now that I know of. Uh, let me see. Oh, my God. This is tough to do off the top of my head. But George Ryan, uh, Rob Blagojevich, Dan Walker, uh, William Stratton are four that I can think of. Uh, Otto Kerner, five. Right? Five. So five? I just did that, man. You got to give me credit. Damn. Number come on, five. dude. <laughs> hey, man, that's a cognitive test. Could Trump do that? I don't think so. He's a counter. Hold on, hold on, D. I know you got to go, but I just have to say, did you watch Trump's interview with Chris Wallace this week? Oh, no. uh, No, I did not. Oh, my God. Dude, it was a classic. Uh, It was unbelievable. I got to give Chris Wallace a lot of credit, man. It's Fox TV, but he came after Trump. But then the whole issue of the cognitive test, Trump doubled down. So uh, Wallace goes, it's not a hard test. They ask you, can you identify an an elephant? And Trump's like, oh, those last five questions are tough. So, D, later today or tomorrow, I'm going to give you that cognitive test with the last five questions. So be prepared for that. You could study tonight if you want. 
Oh, thank right. God. And by the way, study for the other test, too. All right. Take that test, the COVID test. <laughs> all right. Shout out to Roe. What's going on, Roe? Uh, Roe says, Ben is right. Michael J. Madigan saved the state employees' pensions from that rat rounder. Yeah, absolutely. So we're just going to throw Madigan under a bus and drive over it. Yeah, I say you should step down. I Yay think he, for uh, our teachers. Yay for our teachers. I mean, I look, it's easy for me to say. I'm not a caucus member of him, so I'm not going to get sent out to the parking lot, moved from my office into the parking lot or whatever. He has so much power. Just ask Kelly Cassidy, State Representative Kelly Cassidy, how much power uh, Michael Joseph Madigan has uh, in the state of Illinois. So it's easy for me to say this, but I do believe he should step down. I do believe this is an example of crony uh, government in the state of Illinois, and it's the kind of thing we should not tolerate. But I'm not just going to rewrite history. That's going to like throw out all the good stuff that Michael Madigan did. And he did stand up to Rauner and all those other Democrats in the state. Their knees were knocking. They were afraid to take a strong stand. I give Madigan credit for taking that strong stand. All right. And Kyle asks a real good question. We're going to get everybody's thoughts here once we're done with the news. Ben, you'll be thinking about it while we continue here. Uh, Kyle, what's going on, man? He says, uh, Ben, you're a local political nerd. Boy, you aren't kidding. Uh, and he says, if Madigan does not or if Madigan does step down, who would you like to see become the new House Speaker? Think about that. Yeah. Chew on it. Live stream chat. Think about that as well. Weigh in some. Uh, weigh in with some of your future House Speakers. You know, we we already started speculating. Let's just keep going down the speculation hole here. So uh, yeah, weigh in. Let us know who do you think would be a good replacement for Michael J. Madigan as House Speaker. All right, let's read some more quotes here. Uh, let's see. How about the Illinois progressives? Yeah, maybe they will defend Speaker Madigan. Wait, I'm looking. Okay, no, they're not. All right, here we go. Uh, it says here, members of the Illinois House of uh, Representatives Progressive Caucus said Monday, longtime House Speaker Michael Madigan must resign if allegations of a bribery uh, scheme involve utility comed are true. The 12 caucus members said that the allegations disclosed Friday by federal prosecutors in Chicago are, quote, an unacceptable breach of public trust. They called on Madigan, a Chicago Democrat, and any other elected officials involved in the scheme to step down, quote, if these allegations are true. Ben Jarofsky, for 10 trivia points, who are the three leaders of Illinois' Progressive Caucus? Is KC one of them? No. Kelly Cassidy? Who are? I have no idea. Did we and just stop Ben Jarofsky on a local political <laughs> question? <laughs> well, okay, technically it's statewide, but yes, you did. <laughs> who are they? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a whole riff on this, but who are they? Well, first is the tallest man in Springfield, Will Gazzardi. That's correct. Teresa Ma. That's correct. And Carol Ammons of Urbana. That's correct. Oh, like Carol Ammons of Urbana. She's been on the show. Not in a while. Come on, Carol. Come on back to the show. All right. Uh, all right. What's, wait, once again, by the way, I just want to say if the allegations are true. What do you think? Commonwealth Edison just made it up. That's Come what on, I'm they saying. Just paid it, they just paid a $200 million fine. Well, you know, <laughs> they may not be true, Ben. I know they paid that. I realize the $200 million was a slap on the wrist. I understand that. But I got to give credit to Rich Miller uh, and the Sun-Times editorial board. They called it out uh, this weekend with stuff they wrote. It's a total slap on the wrist for Commonwealth Edison. The Commonwealth Edison is so far ahead in this game, whatever rate hikes they got, whatever legislation they got far outweighs the $200 million fine. 
that they're paying. $200 million D is equivalent of you going down the street to that Dunkin' Donuts and buying yourself a cup of coffee. All right? That's what it is to them. That's the comparable to you. You do it any day. Here you go, Ben. Have a cup of coffee. So what a slap in the wrist. But if the allegations are, are true, what do you think? They just, well, you know, uh, they just made it up. Like there's, some, there's some guy at comment like, hey, watch this. We're just going to make something up about Madigan, right? That'd be funny, huh? That'd be funny. And pay, and pay $200 million. That's called talking and dodging. Anyway, all right. <clears throat> the progressives that you name are legitimate progressives and they're, they're also relatively new uh to the general assembly i love the story that rob markwick tells uh and this gets into the heart of what what goes on in springfield and our democrats in springfield my beloved democratic party but back in like 2011 or so when uh, mayor rom had just taken office uh in illinois uh, in chicago as mayor of the city of chicago progressive was kind of like a bad word in the Democratic Party. Uh, Rahm was clearly anti-progressive. And so the people who were against Rahm in the Chicago City Council named themselves progressives. And it was people like John Arena, Scotty Wagaspak, Leslie Hairston, uh, David Moore. They were the progressive wing of the uh, the city council because they would they said they would not be afraid to stand up to the mayor every now and then, okay? And let's heavy emphasis on the then part of it. Uh, and so anyway, but when it came down to spring Springfield, like all these liberals, <laughs> Democrats were like, well, I don't know. We may get Ron mad at us if we call ourselves progressives. Ooh. So they were afraid to call themselves progressives. They were afraid Ron would get mad at them. And this is this is some this is my issue with Michael Madigan. See, this is this is where Michael Madigan basically was cut a deal with the mayors of the city of Chicago, be it Mayor Daly, Mayor Rahm. He would pass any old legislation that they wanted. No matter how dumb it was, like thinking about uh, poning up money for Daly's Olympic dream, uh, extending every TIF, he was probably going to sign on to that bail, that handout of $2 billion plus that Rauner and Ron wanted to give to Amazon. So in exchange for giving a mayor whatever he or she wanted, the mayors of the city of Chicago, boy, oh, I'm having trouble almost did it again. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. It's the fact that you're not in this room. That's what's throwing me. Okay, it's your fault. All right. So the, the, the I just found a way to blame Ben. Yeah, I can never win on this damn show. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're pretty happy in your house right now with that painting of the cowboy in the background. Anyway, it's the Marlboro so, Man. Uh, in exchange. In exchange for doing whatever the mayors wanted, they looked the other way uh, and did whatever he wanted. Uh, and they were all drinking from the same cup of Kool-Aid back then. They were all drinking that Mayor Rahm, Barack Obama, centrist Democrats. Yes, the unions must give up their rights and their pensions because we're facing a critical shortage of money. They were all set to spend hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars on Mayor Daley's Olympics. That thing got torpedoed by the International Olympic Committee. They turned right around and say, oh, we're broke. We have to cut pensioners. And so all the Democrats were on that. And Madigan was driving that ship, too. So really, that's the part of Madigan that irritates me. That part. And that's the part he gets praised for. What he was doing that, the Illinois Chamber of Commerce, oh, it's very responsible. The Chicago Tribune, oh, it's very responsible. Whenever a, like a working guy gets his pension cut, that's always like, 
oh, that's responsible. But whatever you fork over billions of dollars to Amazon, you know, that's oh, well, that's an investment. So this is this is my issue with uh, Michael Madigan. He like had his finger in the air, dude. He go, hey, you want to be that kind of conservative Democrat? I I don't care. Just let me have my power. Let me have. My-. So the Progressive Caucus. If it's wrong, he should step down. Guys, hate to break it to you, but I have a hard time believing Commonwealth Edison would agree to spend $200 million if this stuff was made up. In two months, Commonwealth Edison's going to have a press conference. Um, Turns out none of the things we said were true. We didn't give those jobs to Madigan's cronies. Uh, can we have our money back? Yeah, we were just pulling your leg. <laughs> it was pretty funny, job. right? April Fools. <laughs> just a little something to entertain you while you're in the middle of a pandemic. Good times. Right? Progressive. Come on, progressives. Come on, Gazzardi. Uh, 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 everybody's entitled to his defense in the court of law. And, uh, you know, I read this. Uh, I saw this in L.A. Law episode once. Okay, so uh, for those key Keeping track at home, that's two for resign, one for he did nothing wrong. and uh, But we have to keep in mind that was from Madigan's press office, so it's technically zero. Wait, time out. The progressives didn't say resign. It was like, if the allegations are true. So really, it's only one for resign, me. Okay, that's it. Nobody else is, I'm scared. Uh, he's, if he still has power, this is what the progressive caucus are saying. Uh, if he still has power, he can move us to the parking lot. So let's just couch this thing. All right, don't be like that nutcase in the attic. All right, uh, well, if the allegations are true, then he should resign. Very important distinction, Dave, if the allegations are true. Don't forget if the allegations are true part of it. All right, everybody. Uh, live stream chat. We're looking for who the next future speaker would be if Mike Madigan were to resign. Uh, we're, me- uh, we're reading more quotes from elected leaders with their thoughts on Madigan Gate. Next up, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. All right, here, and let's see, uh, one second, okay. Uh, Lightfoot put out a statement via press release on Madigan Gate, and in true modern-day political fashion, it's wordy. And by the time <laughs> and by the time you get halfway through the damn thing, you realize you don't know what you're even reading and you stop paying attention. But boy, it sounds smart. Here's the press release from the Chicago mayor. The conduct admitted to by ComEd in the deferred prosecution agreement unveiled today is deeply disturbing. The Department of Justice is appropriately holding ComEd accountable for their criminal conduct. As a significant vendor for the Chica- uh, city of Chicago, ComEd must also be accountable to the taxpayers and residents of Chicago. As mayor, I have made transparency, reform, and accountability pillars of my administration. And as a former federal prosecutor myself, I know the thorough and meticulous work that goes into the scale of this kind of investigation and this type of agreement. Okay, that is what we call a filibuster. That is what... (laughs) That's what you do when you just, you don't want to answer direct questions, so you talk about all kinds of other things. You know what's the funny thing? The master of that is Tony Preckwinkle. This is funny because, of course, Tony Preckwinkle ran against uh, uh, Lori Lightfoot for mayor in 2019. So, you know, it's sort of like while they were running, Lori Lightfoot was watching Tony Preckwinkle going, you're good. 
you're good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try some of that stuff. Oh, you're good. You're good. You asked Tony Preckwinkle, is the sky blue out night? Well, you know, uh, last night I saw a movie, and then the day before I went for a walk along the lake. Any old thing in the world. And Lori Lightfoot's cut, cut from the same cloth there with that one. She doesn't want to come right out and say resign because she's afraid. Look, what if, what if he doesn't resign? What if he's still speaker in six months, D? You know, that was my conclusion on Friday. I'm like, I think this guy's got more lives than a cat. So he's, I think he's still got a few more lives left. So what if he's still speaker, still eating those apples, cutting them up meticulously every day at one? <laughs> you see him in an office, Lori Lightfoot sitting across from him. So Michael Madigan's cutting the apple. Go, so I heard you uh, say I should resign. <laughs> I'm still here. You want that legislation passed, huh? <laughs> That's him eating the apple. I have all the sound effects, D. You're good. I wonder what it's. Yeah, thank you. Well, I've been doing this radio thing for a while. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, they're like, oh, you know, he could be around for a while. I don't want to stick my neck out. So uh, what I'll do is talk about transparency in the city of Chicago. Uh, have you heard about the legislation I passed? All this great transparency. Anyway, that's called the filibuster, ladies and gentlemen. I know my listeners are too smart to fall for it, D. All right, now shout out to WGN's Taman Bradley because he got the answer we all wanted. Yeah, oh. nice press release, but should House Speaker Mike Madigan resign? Mayor Lightfoot, as we said, is a former prosecutor, so she's no dummy. She said, quote, that's not really for me to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You got an opinion about absolutely everything in the universe. That, not that one. Well, uh, the allegation is, is that the most powerful man in the state of Illinois accepted jobs for his cronies from Commonwealth Edison and in exchange passed rate hike that probably didn't benefit the utilities. You don't have an opinion about that? Nope. Mm -mm. Sorry. That's just, uh, you know, who knows? He might as well ask me about last year's Grammy Award winners. I mean, like, what do I know? You know, music? I don't really follow music anymore i don't follow utility rates okay did i tell you about the transparency in the city of chicago huh, you know why don't you ask me about uh you know uh politics in croatia what do i know you know all right well, really for me to say wow okay. you know and i would think that we will shut you down we will <laughs> cite you and if we need to we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. That's something that I think you shouldn't say, but whatever. You know what, D? It's funny. She's awfully tough on the guy playing basketball. But, you know, well, you know Speaker Madigan accused of exchanging uh, legislation for jobs for his cronies? I don't know. God, why would I have an opinion about that? Uh, but these guys playing basketball? Oh, God, help any of them to get our own talk show. They're going to have to have an opinion. Oh, yeah, I wonder who they're going to be replacing. All right. Uh, shout out to Radio Doogie. What's up, dude? Long time no talk to. Uh, he says, uh, yeah, the audio is a bit overmodulated. Hey, I'm working on it uh, as the show goes along here. So just weigh in. Doing the show from my apartment. Ben's in his attic. So uh, I'm quarantining. So that's yeah. how this is going down. All right, so we had that. And finally, we saved the best for last. We have quotes from our Republican leaders in Illinois. Ben. Oh, don't get me started. Go ahead. All right. The Illinois Republican caucus said, quote, 
Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan exerts absolute control over what issues get a hearing and which get a vote in the Illinois House. As the U.S. attorney announced last week, that process allegedly comes with a price. Illinois Democrats, he's talking about you, Ben, who control both chambers of the Illinois legislature. <laughs> okay, he's not. Uh, should embrace reforms that will ensure all the power of legislating is not consolidated into the hands of one allegedly corrupt process. This can be done by improving transparency and enacting a fair redistricting process. What oh, is, God. Oh, you like that. What is, yeah. <laughs> what is abundantly clear to our caucus and every concerned citizen in Illinois is the fact that Michael Madigan can no longer serve as Speaker of the Illinois House and he should step aside from this leadership position immediately. So there you go, Ben. They're saying what you what you wanted the, uh, the progressives right. to say. And it looks like, uh, oh, no, that's it. Go ahead. All right, time out. So which outfit was that? That was this was the Illinois Republican Caucus. Of, so they're uh, representatives in the state house, correct? Yes, sir. Yes. All right. That's so, correct. So much hypocrisy in the Republican Party today. That statement is drenched with hypocrisy. And that's why I began the show by singing Harper Valley PTA, which is everybody over the age of 65 out there knows is a story, is a song about hypocrisy, okay? So check it out on your own time. But these are the biggest hypocrites since Jeannie Riley's Harper Valley PTA. First of all, I'd like to know how many Republicans voted for that rate hike. I'd like to know how many Republicans in the state of Illinois have ever dared to defy Commonwealth Edison or any major utility when it comes before the General Assembly looking for more uh, for a higher rate. So I'd like to see generally when I first moved to the state of Illinois or back to uh, the state of Illinois in the city of Chicago was Republicans and ComEd were tied at the hip. So this remember. What the issue is here, folks, that Michael Joseph Madigan allegedly, allegedly, that's correct, allegedly uh, got exchanged favorable legislation to, with Commonwealth Edison uh, for Commonwealth Edison giving out contracts and jobs to his cronies. But what did the Republic? They just voted for it anyway. They didn't get anything. And by the way, I, I believe, I have no proof, that Commonwealth Edison is taking care of Republican cronies as well. They're just going after the feds or just going after Madigan at the time. And finally, there's this. The, the Republicans in the state of Illinois, led by Darren Bailey, are their hero. Their leader is the man who wears the MAGA hat, Donald John Trump. And Donald John Trump has defied every rule, every law that any president in my lifetime has defied. He's said no to congressional subpoenas. He's ordered aides not to testify. He is in court fighting to keep his taxes from being revealed. He uh, fired people who dared to testify against him. He fired this attorney general. He asked to torpedo the, the Mueller investigation. So, and he's also accused of rape, just throwing that out there. So where are these Republicans? These law and order Republicans, these Republicans who want to preserve the right way of doing things, where are they when it comes to the leader of their own party? I'll tell you where they are, D. Hiding under this table. Are so they? Here's my so here's my deal on Michael Joseph Madigan. Yes, I've called for you to resign, but I'm changing my mind. I reserve the right to change my mind, D. Michael Madigan, 
you should not resign. You should hold on to that seat until the Republicans insist that Donald Trump resign. In fact, here's the deal. Michael Madigan resigns. Donald Trump resigns. There we go. I cut a deal. That's a, that sounds per- perfectly reasonable to me. Oh, yeah. Right? Maybe you and Donald only Trump- you, but yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump's done a lot worse than Michael Madigan did. Right now, Donald Trump is sending troops to Portland, Chicago, violating a big two middle fingers high in the air to all the governors and the mayors. Donald Trump sending out all kinds of mixed messages on the, uh, on the with regards to the pandemic. So... Michael Madigan is far more dangerous to this country than Mike, uh, excuse me, Donald Trump is far more dangerous to this country than Michael Madigan is. So here's the deal. Michael Madigan, do not resign until Donald Trump resigns. When Donald Trump resigns, you can resign. There we go. That hypocrisy of the Republican Party got me fired up, D. These bastards. All right, uh, let's go to... Let's go to Brianna. Uh, You nailed it, Brianna. She says, I can just hear the Republican ads for the next cycle. Turn the lights out on Madigan. Vote Republican. Absolutely. By the way, don't forget that the reason anybody, you know, when Dennis was, uh, he didn't say this, when he was downstate, he told me the story was a funny story. I thought you were going to mention this. Well, some friend of his who was a very astute political observer of uh, Illinois politics. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah, uh, Chris P. Yeah, do the Chris P. thing. Well, Chris right? P. He's uh, he's the he seals a lot of driveways. We, my family taught him how to seal driveways, and this feller is just like making tons of money sealing driveways. And he's just like, oh yeah, I knew Madigan was gonna get it, man. Finally, oh, it's gonna be a good weekend. All right, yeah, Chris so P. Chill out. Chris P. Loves the Republicans. Quit hey, stealing Chris, our quit, quit stealing our driveways. We want to seal yeah, too. Yeah. Come on, Chris. Does Chris wear the MAGA hat? Uh, I saw him twice, and he didn't have a MAGA hat. I didn't have the MAGA hat. But the point is, the reason Chris, well, no, I'm going to take this back, because I'm, I'm working from the assumption that Chris is an astute student of Illinois politics. But many people throughout the state, the only reason they know who Michael Joseph Madigan is, is that Bruce Rauner made him public enemy number one, four years. Okay, so uh, there is a reason why... Uh, Brianna, the Republicans will continue to put the spotlight on Michael Madigan, uh, and that's because they Bruce Rauner invested millions of dollars uh, into making uh, him a pariah. So I'll tell you what, you know who wants Mad? It's funny. The Democrats who are asked the question, should he resign, Ham and Hogg, go, well, if the allegations are wrongdoing are true, yes, he should resign. The Republicans are like, resign now. But in reality, the Republicans want Michael Madigan around because he is their punching bag. And the Democrats want him gone because he's the punching bag. So it's interesting. They say one thing, but they mean something else. So Michael Madigan, yes, you should resign, but I say stick around, whatever. Hey, how about that? Saying two things at once, D. I'm speaking out of this side of my mouth and that side of my mouth. And uh, you like that? Michael Madigan, you may have your biggest fan here in Ben Jarofsky. Holy cow. Yes. Absolutely. He stood up to Rauner. I like it. And you're exposing the hypocrisy of the Republicans. I like it. So stick around until Donald Trump resigns. All right. Let's end it out with some city news here. And guys, if you didn't see this coming, well, you haven't been listening to the Ben Jarofsky show. I can tell you that much. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced on Monday that due to an uptick in Chicago COVID-19 cases, 
we will be tightening the city's COVID-19 regulations. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, the Chicago Department of Public Health and the Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection announced today a retightening of COVID-19 restriction for bars, restaurants, gyms, and personal services as a precautionary move in response to a recent increase in community cases of the virus. Throughout the pandemic, data has guided every move made by the city and the recent uptick uh, in cases as well as surging COVID-19 activity in other states around the country uh, is cause for concern and motivated this move to dial back reopening in certain high-risk environments. The reinstatement of certain restrictions will go into effect Friday, this Friday, July 24th at 12.01 a.m in order to allow businesses uh, time to prepare. These restrictions will include, well, actually, before we uh, read those restrictions, Ben, what are your thoughts here? And listeners, what phase are we in? Is anybody keeping track of this? I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, no, I lost track of phases a long time ago. Uh, D, I've been struggling with this for a long time. You know what? But let me just say this. I, I've been feeling... Uh, sympathy for or empathy i guess for mayor Lori lightfoot i've been critical of mayor Lori lightfoot uh, on a lot of fronts but d just think about what she's dealing with right now the pandemic okay uh the uh, defund police movement with uh, protests in the street police beating up protesters so she's got to walk a very fine line right there you don't want to aggravate the police, but I don't think you should tolerate police beating up protesters, uh, knocking their teeth out. And now Donald Trump sending the troops into Chicago. So, you know, I didn't when she won back in uh, what was it? April of uh, 2019. None of this stuff was on the horizon. So, uh, you know, I'll say that. Uh, but uh, in terms of this, the changing Dude, I don't know why they open the bars. Help me out here, D. Yeah, you, you, you're younger than I am. And you go, you know more about bars than oh, I you're do. You're a but... drunk. No, I'm not. <laughs> but everything I see about bars, uh, particularly the bars in Wrigleyville, we're all the. But they're not even the bros that go to Wrigleyville, right, D? Oh yeah. Hipsters go to Logan Square. Right? Oh, big time. Don't I have that right? Big okay. time. It's been a long time. I'm old, so I, you know, I just got to understand this. Uh, so all these bros. In Wrigleyville, they're it's like they're unleashed. They're as bad as remember we made fun of all the people pouring over the border into Kenosha. These guys are here we are. There's one picture that the Tribune has of three bros. Every time and they just keep running the same picture of these three bros. I send it to Dennis all the time. Dennis, there's your friends. <laughs> He's like, that's not funny. I'm not a pro. Uh, and uh, so yeah, you know, I mean. They the bar owners couldn't police them. Uh, the bros are just like, we got to get out a drink, man. And, you know, really, I'm coming to the conclusion, D, and defend your generation. But uh, that the millennial generation, it's like they're they're all they're like that dude. That kid we made used to make fun of from Cincinnati went down to Florida and he goes, if I get Corona, I get Corona. But I don't think it would kill me. Remember that, dude? And it's like, I hate to say it, but. He's not alone. There's like thousands of him. So I don't see what choice Lori Lightfoot has. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And I know the young bros, they don't realize. They, they're not, they feel like 
they're not going to get it or if it's just like a cold. But they're going to pass it on to some old guy like me. The reason Dennis is in his house, he's a nice guy. He's worried about me. He's worried about infecting the old guy. You know, but the, a lot of the bros, they're like, oh, you know, come on. I'm not going to get old. I'm 23. Well, I know this one, bro. Let me ask him real quick. Hey, what do you think about all this? I've seen a whole lot of catfish. Okay. And turtles. <laughs> uh, no gators yet, though. Interesting. Wait, that's a hipster, not a bro. Oh. Okay? Okay? There's a difference. All right? It's a subtle difference, but there's a difference. All right. What we'll what? do. What? 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 Wait, time out. I have a question for you. And a question only you can answer. So a typical bro and a typical hipster, what kind of music do they listen to? A typical bro and a typical hipster. Um, I don't know. Live stream chat. Help us out. Uh, in the year 2020, what do they listen to? What does a bro listen to? Like, what kind of music does a bro listen to? Chain smokers? No Chain smokers? Something with uh, some EDM, maybe? Possibly? Chain smokers. Don't get me started on the chain smokers, D. I've kind of I've kind of fallen off the loop here. I, I remember hipsters used to love that arcade fire band, but now I'm just kind of out of the loop, you know? Uh, uh, anyway, uh-oh, this just popped up on my screen. Mayor Lori Lightfoot says shitty. <laughs> <laughs> That's three times now, pal. What's It's because you're not here. Says Chicago expects an influx of federal agents to help the city fight violence, but we do not welcome dictatorship. I don't, I don't, I don't know if anybody knows what's going on around here. All right, what we'll do, uh, we're we're uh, kind of on time here, so we're gonna go to Maya here shortly, and before we roll out of here, we will go over uh, the restrictions and everything, and Ben can weigh in on that. Let's go to the live stream chat real quick before we take a little break. Uh, we have a gentleman, Benjamin, weighed in. Benjamin, what's up? Thanks for joining the live chat. Uh, let's see here. He says, first off, he says, time to bring Leor Galil back on the podcast. I agree. Leor would be perfect to answer that question that we just had about hipsters and bros. Yes. Uh, and he also says, uh, this isn't a generational thing. Governments need to shut these places down. For every obnoxious kid my age, I can send you 20 videos of a 50-year-old having a hissy fit about masks. Uh, well, I, I can't argue that point. And in your in your generation's defense, Benjamin, it was a people of the older persuasion who were driving up to Wisconsin and, uh, and congregating in bars about two months ago when they opened up. So you're right. It's not just your generation, but you must admit Every, every generation has its own peculiarities. And I'm, I think I'm harder on the baby boomers than they are, by and large, on millennials. But they have their peculiarities. And you just, I think you should admit, just fess up that there's this peculiar what drive that bros have. They want to congregate immediately in a bar and, you know, just like breathe in each other's faces. It's kind of a weird thing bros do. I'm just throwing that out there. Shout out to Pat Rod. He says bros listen to Nickelback and hipsters. They listen to anything that you haven't heard of yet. Very true. <laughs> Very true, Pat Rod. Very true. Or the first album of any band. Yeah, it's only the, uh, I don't like them anymore because other people <laughs> listen to them. Uh, Jay Marie uh, says, uh, shitty of Chicago is so fitting though, isn't it? <laughs> Jay Marie, I'm having trouble since Dennis left <laughs> left my little attic. So yeah, I blame it on that. And uh, we got a new uh, fellow jumping in here on the live stream chat. We want to welcome Jay. Jay, what is happening? Uh, Jay says everyone wants to de defund the police. I think we need to defund all Chicago government agencies and rebuild from there. Nothing will change until then. Also, cut down the wards to ten max. 
Wow. Uh, by the way, there was a movement, I should say, along those lines, believe it or not, uh, Jay, there was a movement about 1990 uh, to uh, completely blow up the Board of Education. I remember this. A lot of reformers were uh, waving this fight. Bill Ayers, who uh, back in those days, believe it or not, was a, a school reformer in the city of Chicago. Uh, he's, of course, uh, gone on to bigger and better things. I put that in quotes. Anyway, he was a big advocate of that. Uh, just blowing up the Board of Education and uh, starting it from scratch. So it's not the first time uh, someone has come up with that idea. Uh, but of course, it'll never happen. All right, there you go, everybody. Uh, I sent an email. Uh, we're doing Google Meets, by the way, uh, for this uh, quarantine special of the Ben Jarofsky Show. Uh, turns out it's working out pretty well. It's working out well for you, Ben? Yeah, I mean, it sounds good. I don't know. Somebody was complaining about something or other, but it sounds good to me. Well, it's so. YouTube. I think that's going to happen no matter what. Uh, but uh, uh, everybody, you know, we're, we're trying to make it the best we can here. Uh, I have the board in my apartment because the last thing you guys want is Ben running this board. All right. <laughs> Boy, it'll be weird. Uh, so and Ben's in his attic and I have a snowball mic, a USB mic hooked up to that. So uh, we're going to be doing this throughout the week. Hopefully we can uh, work out the kinks here and uh, try and make it sound the best that we can uh feel free to weigh in on the live stream chat like i said later on we're going to go through all of the uh the new restrictions the new new restrictions of uh the pandemic in uh chicago also jay marie let us know we're in phase four ben phase four thank you jay marie appreciate that all right so we're going to take a quick little break here when we come back our chicago reader colleague the one the only maya duke masava will be joining us so don't go anywhere everybody it's the ben jarofsky show live from ben's attic and my apartment that's correct We're back, everybody. And uh, no, Maya, you are not on video. We're just doing this through audio only. Uh, ben, are, are you there, Ben? Yeah, I'm there. I can see Maya. All right, Maya, so just so you know, I can see you. I can see Dennis, but you can't see me because I don't have a camera. Somehow or other, I don't have a camera. But I, I, love, I know, I know. Uh, I got to update this thing. Uh, Dee, before I uh, interview uh, Maya, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Uh, you know, once again, thank you for the condolences on the live stream chat. That was really nice to all of you. And uh, like I said, we're working out the kinks here. We're going to do this this week. Uh, the quarantine version of the Ben Jarofsky show from my apartment and Ben's attic. Uh, you know, find us on Facebook at Benny J show, B E N N Y, the letter J show uh, on Twitter as well and Instagram. And we're asking all of you a question. Madigan, guilty or not so much. Feel free to weigh in. That's it. All right. Very good. Uh, and this morning when I was talking to Maya, uh, she uh, to talk about what we're going to uh, on the agenda for today, she made reference to uh, Charles Green. And in today's Sun-Times, Maya, I'm going to read to you the two paragraphs dedicated to this story, uh, because as Maya says, there's a lot more than these two paragraphs. But these are two paragraphs from the Sun-Times that will act as like a very brief introduction. Uh, this is from today's Sun-Times story about a finance committee meeting uh, in uh, the city council. Also on Monday, the finance committee debated for hours, then reluctantly signed off on a $500,000 settlement stemming from the Chicago Police Department's failure to honor a freedom of information request. 
Charles Green filed a lawsuit in November 2015 after CPD failed to respond to his request for 50 years worth of closed complaints registered files for present and former Chicago police officers. And that's it. Those are the two paragraphs. I know there's a lot more. Uh, to this story, I know that you've been very diligently working on this and putting it together, and that if you haven't already completed your article, uh, yes, it's okay, she's completed it, and we can post it. Is it up on the reader website yet? Yeah, it's up on the reader website. It just went up five minutes ago. So, man, this is breaking news. So, Maya, just uh, be uh, just take us through this because I don't, I think a lot of people, this will be the first time they heard about this, and this is a long, complicated, but really important story. So, take us through this. Yeah. So, this is this is the story of this lawsuit. So, Charles Green was a 16 year old kid when he was convicted for his alleged involvement in a quadruple murder in 1985 on the West Side. Now, his conviction was uh, extremely problematic. He was questioned alone for 27 hours by a detective. Uh, basically, he there wasn't any evidence against him. He allegedly took $25 to ring a doorbell uh, to, the, to the victim's houses and um, to the victim. It was four victims in one house. So basically, uh, he was convicted. Later, the detective who was involved in his uh, building the case against him, John Somerville was himself sent to prison for sexually assaulting women during traffic stops. And he had a long history of uh, misconduct and problematic behavior on the force. The co-defendant who was the alleged actual murderer in this case, his conviction was thrown out and he was released. And as a result, Charles Green himself, who had gotten a life sentence at the age of 16, was finally released from prison after 24 years in 2009. So subsequently, so he got released because his co-defendant sentence was also uh, basically renegotiated because the conviction was thrown out, um, the original conviction. So his release was not actually an exoneration. His name wasn't cleared. He got out of prison after 24 years, still a convicted felon, um, and he started immediately working to try to clear his name and uh, get the conviction against him thrown out and get his record clear, basically, because as a convicted felon, he had no opportunities to do pretty much anything at all with his life. So in 2015, he decided to file a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request, uh, requesting all police misconduct records the Chicago Police Department had going back to 1967. So he did this in order to find information about the cops who were working on his case, but also in the request, he wrote that the reason he was asking for all of these records was to, and I'll, and I'll read you the quote, this is the way that his original request uh, was framed. He was making this request in order to help him discover evidence of his innocence and to preserve and disseminate evidence of innocence to others wrongfully convicted. So he was also doing this as a potential service to other people who might be in a similar situation to him, which as we know in Chicago, there's tons of people who are in similar situations to him, especially people who cross paths with Chicago law enforcement in the 80s. So what happened next was a pretty typical situation for ordinary people who file, uh, who file FOIA requests with the city. The city just didn't respond. The police department did not respond to his request. Now, 
the request was so broad and requ the request was for such a massive amount of documents that would have been it would have been very easy and like a no-brainer for the department to just respond and say hey this request is unduly burdensome we are not required to comply with this request because you're asking for way too much information narrow down your request and then you know maybe we can we can answer it then but because they did not respond or acknowledge his request in any way within the five to ten day deadlines that they had uh they no longer could claim that the request was too burdensome and so mr green went to court to force them to comply with this request and for the next several years starting in 2015 until now so basically the last five years there's been this haggling going on in court about the release of these records. And the city had been claiming for months and months and months and months that they were working to produce these that, that, that they were working to produce these records, that they were gonna hand them over. When they were asked, so Green and his lawyer were willing to uh, negotiate over how this would be produced, that the scope of time in which the records would be produced, which records would fall underneath the the you know the the um, the requirement to to produce but the city couldn't even answer a basic question like well how many records are there so we can figure out the scope of their request and maybe narrow it down and they just kept saying that they were going to produce the records so now this gets a little bit complicated so follow me here uh at the same time jamie calvin who's a journalist and police transparency advocate at the invisible institute had another FOIA lawsuit going on that concerned police misconduct records. Now that lawsuit uh, was stuck on the issue of the FOP, the Chicago Police Union, claiming that even if the city had these old misconduct records, they were not allowed to release them because the police union contract says that the city has to destroy those records after five years. You might've heard of this, a lot of people I think who are tuned in a little bit to the conversation around police union issues, may have heard that the police union contract in Chicago has this clause that says the police misconduct records have to be destroyed after five years. As a matter of fact, though, the city has not had a practice of systematically destroying police misconduct records. So they do exist going back to 1967. Maybe not every record for every single cop that's ever been on the force, but there's tens and tens and tens of thousands of records that do exist, a lot of them in random boxes, in police department basements. Um, they're kind of all over the place and they're not systematically kind of chronicled and organized at all. So in Jamie Calvin's lawsuit, the FOP was trying to argue that the city isn't allowed to release these records even if they have them. And that lawsuit went all the way to the Illinois Supreme Court. And last month, just a few weeks ago, the Illinois Supreme Court said that that part of the police union contract that says the records have to be destroyed is unenforceable, is basically a dead letter part of the contract, and that the city has to provide these records. If they have them, they cannot destroy them, and they have to provide them to the public. So as soon as this happened, in Charles Green's lawsuit, the city then turned around and said, hey, we'll give you $500,000 if you just agree to stop pursuing these records. Wow. So they had initially offered him less money back in February, and he had turned it down. Uh, it was like less than half of that amount. And he turned it down because he's maintained for all of these years that what he wants is access to the records, for other people to have access to these records, and to prove that he was innocent. Um, 
But faced with the $500,000 figure, this guy is just, he's just not in a position to turn this money down right now because he has glaucoma, he's a convicted felon, he's basically impoverished, he doesn't have a lot of options for how to sustain himself, to provide himself with stable housing, all of this stuff. You know, it, he's very few people, I think, are in general in a position to turn down $500,000. Uh, so that includes Mr. Green as well. So, but what he and his lawyer have also said is that they are willing to wait for the settlement, to extend the deadline to, ha to, to, to have the settlement go through for another, however many months it takes, another few months, in order for, if the city promises that they would release these records on their own, which the city has been saying that they are willing to do. So they have been saying that we don't need to be forced by the court to release these records. We wanna do the right thing here anyway. We think they should be public and let us release them on their own. Now, here's, what the, here's why this becomes a time crunch now. So no settlement can actually go through unless the city council approves it. So on Monday, yesterday, the finance committee had to vote on whether to approve Mr. Green's settlement. And the way that the, uh, that the city lawyers presented it to the aldermen and the finance committee was that Mr. Green wants this money he was the one who said that he wants the settlement done, which is not true. It was the city that offered him the settlement. Uh, she said that the that Mr. Green's lawyer is not uh, is not interested in negotiating, is not uh, flexible around uh, how the records will be produced or narrowing the scope of the request, which is also not true. And that basically, uh, the alderman should. She said that the alderman should vote uh, and approve the settlement because if they don't. The city is appealing the judge's order, but the appeal could shake out in Mr. Green's favor anyway. And also, Mr. Green could change his mind about the settlement, and then the city would really have to comply. So basically, the, the, the Corporation Council is urging aldermen to approve this settlement in order not to release these records. And the aldermen, I think, had very little time to really understand this issue or be briefed on it, because some of them were, I think, correctly looking at the issue as like, well, this guy has been... Uh, suffering at the hands of the city, has been abused by the cops, has most likely been wrongfully convicted, has spent all this time in prison, and he deserves some sort of payout. Even though this payout has nothing to do with like a compensation for the police misconduct, it's just in relation to this FOIA lawsuit. So some aldermen voted to approve the settlement on those grounds, but eight aldermen on the finance committee uh, voted not to approve the settlement because they say we need more, let, let's hold this decision for another few months. So if the city is serious about releasing the records, let them actually negotiate and do it. And if, they, if there's a pressure of this settlement hanging over their heads, then we can be assured that they'll actually do it. Because what Finance Committee Chair Scott Wagaspag, this was like really mind blowing. He said on uh, yesterday, he said that on Wednesday, if everyone votes to approve this, because now it has to go in front of the full city council tomorrow. He said, if everyone votes to approve this, then on Wednesday, I'll introduce a piece of legislation to make these records public through like the city inspector general's office. We'll have this whole thing crafted and we'll still, you know, the public will get these records, which honestly is like a really absurd thing to hear because it takes months slash years to negotiate the release of records like this to redact things, to figure out a plan for how, how, how their records are released, 
And the idea that we should just trust the city and trust Scotty Wagsback that in 24 hours he's going to craft this legislation and that the city will really comply with this is, I don't know, it, it's really far-fetched. Wow. All right. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. That was a great ref. And I was dutifully taking notes. Uh, and there's so many questions I have. Ask uh, me but, so many questions. I'll, I'll, but let me just say that there, my takeaway is that there's two issues at stake here. One is the issue of the $500,000 payout uh, to Charles Green and the $500,000 is $500,000. And then there's the second issue, which is probably has greater significance citywide, though not to Charles Green, and that is concealing very important vital records regarding the police. So there's two issues that the aldermen are facing. But let's just start, I mean, at the outset, uh, where the city stumbled, if you will, uh, with the lawsuit when Charles Green initially filed his FOIA. Just out of curiosity, your opinion, and the city did not respond. This is classic FOIA. I've always said that a FOIA law is a, is a law that it's supposed to open up public records uh, to citizens, but in fact, more or less, it's used as a weapon to keep information from public citizens. Is, is there any sense that the city did this, uh, failed to respond, either uh, was it arrogance, contempt, or was it just utter negligence uh, their inability their, to, to respond. Do you have any sense of what well, was motivating them? So I, I think probably it's just classic incompetence. I mean, journalists tend to have like a fairly good track record of success with FOIA with the city of Chicago. I think because these city agencies, the people that work there, they know to look out for journalists' FOIAs. They, I, they know the journalists will go after them for it. So I think a, a journalist has a better uh, chance of actually getting stuff through FOIA than like your regular person, even if they if they're filing the FOIA with a lawyer. So I will say that I mean again the FOIA was filed in 2015. That was before the police department had a more um, I guess a tight ran a tighter ship when it came to uh, processing FOIA requests. I will say like personally, I mean I've been at the Reader since 2016. I've actually never had an issue, a serious issue with getting the police department to respond to FOIAs. Like they've always been responding to me in a timely fashion and providing everything I've asked for. So I think they probably like digitized their operations around this and it's it's more streamlined now. But in 2015, it's possible that there was just like less of an infrastructure to process FOIAs in place. And this request did not, was probably not noticed as one that's important to respond to. And so like so many other people, they just, you know, Charles Green ended up in this situation. So I'm not necessarily saying there was anything malicious about this. I, okay. it's, it's, it's just probably run of the mill incompetence and inefficiency. Okay, well, it's, uh, that quirk uh, has resulted in a lawsuit that probably has uh, Lori Lightfoot and the lawyers of the city of Chicago really upset. Uh, it, it, that, that inability to respond put them in a predicament. Now, I'm not saying it's predicament. Well, but then they didn't turn it, when the lawsuit was filed about this, they didn't say, hey, like mea culpa, let's work this out. We want to comply. Like, you know, they didn't put in like a good faith effort uh, for, for five years to actually work something out here. For, for years, their legal strategy was to fight this tooth and nail, to, but to also say to delay and delay and yeah. delay to say that they were going to produce these records without really getting, giving any details about them until finally the judge in the lawsuit issued this, and I have it linked to, in my story, this like totally scathing order 
and uh, kind of opinion about how horribly the city has handled this, how, how untrustworthy they've shown themselves to be around this issue. And, you know, now they have to, they have to, you know, put their money where their mouth is and, and release the records as they claim that they have been planning to do. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I just uh, make the obvious parallel to the Laquan McDonald situation where it was a Cook County judge. Uh, so much of the changes that have happened in the, in the city of Chicago regarding policing resulted from a ruling by a Cook County judge compelling Mayor Rahm Emanuel to release, that, to release the Laquan McDonald video. Uh, so it's a very similar situation. Now, another point you, may, you made, which is kind of getting lost in the shuffle, it seems as though, and I... Uh, get your thoughts on this, that that Supreme Court ruling uh, was a very important ruling because you alluded to the provision in the Fraternal Order Police contract uh, that requires the city to destroy uh, records of police misconduct after five years. Uh, and Mayor Lori Lightfoot, when she was candidate Lori Lightfoot, uh, the Chicago Tribune, uh, the Board of Ed, the Chicago Tribune, and the, the Chicago Sun-Times as well, have all crusaded against this rule. Uh, and now it seems as though, because of that Supreme Court ruling, that rule no longer exists, so the city can't hide behind it anymore when it comes to yeah. releasing documents. That's a pretty significant ruling, don't you agree? Yeah, no, it's it's very significant. It actually, I mean, it didn't get a ton of attention. Maybe it's because it was coming out in the middle of June, right when there was a lot of other things going on, obviously. But yeah, it basically means that when this new police contract comes out, like it's not going to, it won't be able to have a clause that says that the records have to be destroyed anymore because yeah. it's just unenforceable and, and illegal, essentially. Um, so, yeah, that's a really important part of this. And the other thing, too, is if the city settles this lawsuit, nothing prevents another lawsuit like this from being filed. Because essentially, like, the records aren't um, totally inaccessible now. Like, anyone can FOIA records for any particular cop or for all cops in a particular time period. Like, this is all technically public records. But because you have to go through FOIA to get them, it's a very slow and piecemeal process. And if the records are released in the way that they would have to be released if this, if this green settlement doesn't go through, then once and for all, we would just have this archive that would be publicly available. Now, the, obviously, there will be redactions for victims' names, for complainants' names. Like, people don't give up their right to privacy just because they file a complaint against a cop. So all that kind of stuff would have to be done. The city, without really showing how they did the math, the city is claiming it would take 10 years and $8 million to make these records available, which is really just the cost that it w of, of, of having people sit there and redact them. But as uh, Alderman uh, Maria Haddon point pointed out yesterday during the hearing, like if you think about it, $8 million over 10 years is really not that much money, especially considering the fact that the city is paying out several hundred thousand dollars in settlements in similar FOIA lawsuits every month. Every month there are people filing lawsuits against the city for not complying with FOIA. So it, this is just kicking the can down the road and doesn't really save the city any money if they try to get out of this now. Um, I'm not really sure why they're trying to claim that this makes more financial sense not to release these records. But one thing that's really uh, egregious here is that they're making it seem like it's Mr. Green and his lawyer who are intransigent about this issue and being inflexible about it, but that's not at all the case.
Well, Mike, by the way, I have no objection. That's funny you should bet the $10 million. If they're going to give people jobs. $8 million. $8 million. If it's going to mean jobs, we need jobs. People need jobs in this city. So I, I'm not, I don't have a knee-jerk opposition to spending $8 million uh, on um, hiring people to go through uh, FOIA requests. It's, it seems like an honorable way to make a living. It's it's certainly a better way, expend, uh, expenditure of money, just to have all these payouts for these uh, settlements and yeah. uh, police cases. All right, so let's go back. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Were you going to say something? No, go ahead. All right. So uh, so we have this pivotal vote on Monday, and it's got, there's going to be a showdown vote tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. Uh, as I say this, I realize people could be listening to this podcast at any time. So Wednesday, July 22nd, uh, there'll be a showdown. 10 a.m. Yes. And uh, I'll probably be talking about this with Dave Glowatz next week when we do the review of the city council. But uh, anyway, uh, so eight aldermen voted no. Eight aldermen voted uh, yeah. against in defiance of Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Alderman Scott Wagesback on this issue. Who are those eight aldermen? Curious. Yeah. So this is a very interesting. The, the way that the vote broke down was very interesting to me. And I think it kind of actually underscores how there's like uh, very like varied and not necessarily consistent or accurate understanding of the issues among the aldermen. So the people who voted against the settlement, and again, some of them didn't explain their decision. Others said that the reason they're voting against is because they want... So uh, just to go back real quick, like there is a world in which Charles Green still gets paid and we get the records. But that can only really be guaranteed to happen if the settlement is delayed and the city is like, it's like a consent decree. Like the city, when, when there's a, the, the way we have a consent decree now for police reform is that the state of Illinois sued the city and said, if you don't provide an, a, a legally binding plan for reforming the police department, we will be suing you and it will cost you tons of money. So in this case, it's a similar thing. Like if, if, if the settlement is delayed, then there can be a negotiation where the parties say, look, like, we will accept this settlement if you, the city, actually lay out a plan for how you will um, release these records on your own, as you claim you want to do. So then, after that plan is in place and it's legally binding, then Charles Green could formally agree to the settlement, get the $500,000, and release his personal claim to the records. So the uh, yesterday, the aldermen who voted against the settlement, some again, some some saying that they specifically wanted there to be a delay, and others not really giving an explanation, were Pat Dowell, Sophia King, Roderick Sawyer, um, Greg Mitchell, Sue Garza, and then Ariel Reboiris and Deborah Silverstein, and also Leslie Harrison. And to me, Reboiris and Silverstein were like interesting. Um, I was. It was interesting to me that they they were voting against this, and especially Ariel Reboiris, who's such a pro-police um, kind of alderman. I mean, maybe his understanding of this issue is that uh, he was voting against the release of the records. I'm not really sure. But as soon as the finance committee meeting started, he popped on the mic immediately and said he was against this. He never said anything else other than he was against the settlement. So, um, and then there were 25, 21 aldermen who voted for the settlement, and some of them explicitly said that they were voting for it because they felt like Mr. Green deserves compensation for all his pain and suffering. Again, even though this $500,000 has nothing to do with actual compensation for his pain and suffering, because this has nothing to do with his 
wrongful conviction situation. So um, the people who voted for it were uh, Brian Hopkins, Michelle Harris, Anthony Beal, Patrick Daly-Thompson, uh, Marty Quinn, uh, David Moore, Derek Curtis, uh, Alderman O'Shea, Alderman Brookins, Alderman Tavares, Michael Scott, Walter Burnett. I don't know if this is interesting to people. Wait, <laughs> Jason. I just can I just say something? I have to yeah. interrupt you. Folks, yeah. okay, so Maya's in her apartment. I'm in my attic. Uh, Dennis has set up this very sophisticated telecommunication system where I can see Maya, but she can't see me. Folks, I gotta just, I have to tell you what Maya is doing right now. She's not reading from a list. She's kind of looking up in the sky the way I do when I'm trying to remember like a song, the lyrics of a song from 1969, and I'm going back in my, she's literally doing this out of her head. Can we give ben, a, like a standing I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Ben, I'm sorry to break your bubble here. I am <laughs> reading. I am reading from a <laughs> Oh, man, that's correct. Oh, I thought she okay. was like, okay. so oh, my story. God. Well, that's worse, because that's... <laughs> the story was just published. Do you think I would remember all this? Oh, my God. Not? Dang, this girl is good. Unbelievable. Folks, you got to see her. She's like, uh, let's see. It was Derek Curtis, Michelle. I'm oh, like, God damn, Maya. Maya, that bit of honesty got you nowhere. You should have just rolled with it. Yeah. Should have rolled with it. Yeah, Ben, I got it. I'm a genius. What can I speak? Listen, to? She speaks two languages fluently, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I speak three languages fluently. What's the record? French. Oh, my God. We could have done this whole interview in French, except I don't speak it. Uh, she asked the questions and answered. Anyway, I mean, I'm look, sorry. I just, I, I just want to say that, to pe okay, so the full list of the 21 yes, people who sorry. voted for it, they are part of my article. If you go to chicagoreader.com, you'll see it right on the front landing page. But I just think it's an interesting, so, like, some of the people who voted for the settlement are progressive caucus members who I think could probably be persuaded not to do that. But so either they didn't get the right information or they just have a different understanding of the issues. But like David Moore and Cristalia Farrow um, and, you know, I supposedly Scott Wagesback were people who are who have like progressive, you know, progressive inclinations. I mean, that Marty Quinn and uh, and, and O'Shea and like Brian Hopkins are voting to just pay this guy $500,000 in order for him not to have access to records about his wrongful conviction. Um, that's like not surprising, I guess. But um, some of these progressives uh, who voted for the settlement are, uh, are kind of surprising. And really from the way that they spoke about this issue, I really got the sense that they just didn't have enough time to really be fully briefed on this. Like Michelle Smith was talking about how, you know, it's really, um, it's really unfair that this man has to wait so long to get any kind of compensation about this issue. Um, and it seemed like she was like a person who seemed sympathetic to his situation. Well, I mean, the primary way to like show your support of, uh, of, of, of Charles Green in this case would be probably to like be in favor of releasing the records he had requested and not put him in this impossible situation of picking between money that could change the course of his life because already his life has been ruined by all of this, uh, and uh, and 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 getting access to information that should be public in the first place. So yeah. it, it'll be really interesting to see how much kind of 
briefing and organizing happens like I basically in less than 24 hours. I mean, there's a big rally right now in Mandrake Park around this issue, but this is going to take like one-on-one -on -one conversations with aldermen. And I'm really going to be curious to see how the vote will shake out tomorrow. Well, the net effect, the they net need effect, votes. They, 18 uh, more votes. They need it. Yeah, but the net effect uh, of this settlement would be to bury uh, records about police misconduct. Now you could. Well, uh, it will be to just maintain them as they are, which is they're subject to FOIA, but they're not really easily accessible. Yeah. I stand by what I said. Uh, and, uh, you know, first of all, it, it, we had this conversation. I don't know if it was with you, but uh, I guess, uh, uh, some other guests, if not you. Progressive as a term related to Chicago aldermen is like a work in progress. It generally progressive as a term relating to people in the city of Chicago in the age of Lori Lightfoot is a, a term in progress. It, it, it doesn't really mean what it used to mean back when Rahm was the mayor. Uh, so you're right to, when you point out that the members of the progressive caucus are taking di differing stands on this issue, but there's less unanimity in the Progressive Caucus than there was in the old days when it meant basically standing up uh, to Mayor Rahm. And uh, as to Michelle uh, Smith, Alderman Michelle Smith of the 43rd Ward, you know, mm -hmm. it, uh, uh, an old trick that I've learned from Alderman is that he, it, sometimes they don't know things, but it's willful not knowing of something, you understand what I'm saying? So if you filibuster about how you're looking out for uh, Charles Green, you're avoiding the larger issue of your vote on releasing the information right now. So I'm just throwing yeah. that out there. And, and actually there were also three abstentions uh, from the vote at all. And this is kind of funny. And it was Alderman Burke, Alderman Villegas and Ray Lopez. I was going to ask why, why has something to say about everything going on in city council, but he wouldn't take a stand on this issue either way. Huh? They abstained. Uh, did they cite, did they have like a conflict of interest? No, they just didn't vote at all. They didn't say yes or no on this. Well, they'll have their turn on Wednesday yeah. uh, because it'll be coming uh, to this uh, full council. Fascinating story, Maya. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, tell it to us. Uh, one more time, tell folks where they can read the full story in uh, detail. ChicagoReader.com. It's right on the front of the, the landing page of the website. You'll have no problem finding it. Um, yeah. All right, Maya, thank you very much. And uh, as I said, uh, Dave Glowatz will be coming in, mm, I can't remember, at the end of this week or next week, uh, but to talk about the city council meeting on Wednesday. So we'll probably uh, be talking more about this uh, later. All right, Maya. Take care, stay safe, stay sound, and uh, I'm still going to give you credit for knowing all those aldermen by heart, uh, even though you were reading. <laughs> I thought you were looking in the sky thinking, and you are actually reading your... Uh, <laughs> that was cute. Uh, and uh, hey, we got to play some clips for Maya. She always likes our clips. Well, we got to give you the, the infamous. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question. No, it wasn't. Every time we hear it, it's still a bad question. And you said Raylo. questions. You said Raylo. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit. Okay. You think <laughs> you know, fuck you, oh, wow. Well, we're all adults here. Come on now. Separate corners, all right? <laughs> I think you're 100% full of shit. 
Yeah, no, that's that. That's my favorite. Yeah, and if you hear the whole thing, I've I've like spent a lot of time thinking about this, Maya. If you hear everything that Raylo says leading up to the year, one hundred percent full of shit. Mayor Leufen uh, has a point. Now, whether one hundred percent is the exact uh, amount, he's that only eighty-five percent. Well, I maybe forty percent. You know, I mean, uh, it's a debatable issue. Uh, but uh, anyway, so that's uh, two of our favorite. And by the way, we owe Maya. Maya walked into the studio about, I forget how many, I've lost track of time. She was fired up. She had gone and seen Hillary Clinton interviewed by Lori Life. I didn't even know what was going on. And she goes, Ben, I have, it's one of those things where Maya comes in, I have to talk about this. And so she went on a riff. <laughs> We've been using that ever since, Maya. So we owe that to you. God it's, bless. Yeah, yeah, it was God bless. not a fine moment in uh, cross-examination. Uh, from a former prosecutor, by the way. I just want to point out, Lori Lightfoot knows how to ask a question if she wants to. All right, Maya. Have questions. Uh, stay safe and sound. Thanks for the good reporting. All right. All right, bye. All right, very good. That's Maya. And uh, D, uh, anything you want to add before we head out that door? Any updates? Yeah, yeah. We got a few things we want to go over. First off, we always uh, play that one clip of Lori and Hillary, but uh, we have that other one, too. There's two of them. Two great questions. Oh, my goodness. What have we done to deserve it? Uh, let me, it's loading up right now. We'll play that one. Madam Secretary, you talk a lot about um, the mothers of your friends where you went to their houses and you knew that they were going to be kind and generous and supportive of you. So that, that theme of women being present and how they make a difference, um, talk a little bit about that and, and how that, again, animated some of the, the selections that you made of people in the book. That's a great question, Mayor, because um, oh, I wanted yeah, to include uh, women who I could distinctly... All right, that's enough. Uh, no. Great question, Madam Mayor. Good time. What a probing question. Maya, this <laughs> is the first. Oh, no. Could you imagine how that interview would have gone if Maya had been conducting it? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. What question would you Hillary. present, Maya? She's yeah. still on with us. Turns out I don't know how to hang up on here. <laughs> I'm new to Google Meets. Okay, cool. Feel free to hang up. All right. Uh, we're going to do uh, the restrictions. Oh, there went Maya. Peace oh, out, Maya. I want to And what, what was it? Kathy said, standing ovation uh, to Maya Duke Masaba today. So I agree. That was awesome. All yeah. right. So uh, what we want to do here is uh, we want to read over our uh, the latest restrictions in the COVID-19 uh, in the city of Chicago. Uh, they went. She announced these yesterday. Also, too, uh, we were bringing up um, should Mike Madigan resign? Who would be a great replacement for Mr. Madigan as House Speaker? So far, we've only had one, and it was Brianna who weighed in. Guys, we're still here, so feel free to weigh in if you're listening live. Uh, Brianna's was the one and only Casey. Get the bong out, Kelly Cassidy. Uh, Casey's on my list, too. Uh, Casey Kelly Cassidy. Uh, man, she was all over the place in the last, uh, having to do with the reefer legislation, and she took the strong stand uh, on the issue of uh, against sexual harassment. Uh, so, yeah, Casey, what else was she? Uh, was she on the gambling bill as well? I'm, I'm forgetting. Remember this? The, the Sun Times had that uh, headline: Wonder Woman. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, she, Casey would be on my list. I would also have Chris Welch 
He's been on this show uh, from the western suburbs, Chris Welch, a lawyer. It's been around a while. Very uh, smooth operator, Chris Welch, I would put him. And I love <laughs> Carol Ammons. I'm a big fan of Carol Ammons. I can't see anybody. I can't see them uh, putting someone uh, that um, progressive, real meaning of the word progressive in charge, but. You know, I'm a big fan of Carol Hammonds. All right. And uh, shout out to Kathy as well. She gets the sarcasm award for our Tuesday show. She says, how about Ed Burke? (laughs) Uh, One weirdo (laughs) in with another. huh? I like that. That's not bad. Just transfer him out of the city council over to the state house. Uh, You're now a state representative. I'd say Will Gazzardi, but uh, the way the camera would look, if he made a speech or something, all you'd see is his neck down to his body. The feller's tall. All right, guys, like seven feet. Tallest guy in Springfield. Uh, let's see here. Uh, okay. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who is, uh, hanging in with us here. Uh, let's read some of these restrictions here. So as we said earlier, Mayor Lightfoot, the Chicago Department of Public Health and the Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection announced today a retightening of COVID-19 restrictions for bars, restaurants, gyms, and personal, sir. I know Ben, you can't, these gyms, I know you want to get back to the gym ASAP, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing uh, lifting weights as you as we speak. D. <laughs> one, two, one, two. What's your favorite machine at the gym? Um, the uh, soda machine. <laughs> that was that was a really good response. Yeah, I like it. Sometimes they have Coca Cola, and I like the Orange Aid. You know. <laughs> have you been taking Second City classes? That was amazing. It's called improv, young man. Huh? All right. <laughs> All right. Throughout the pandemic, data has guided every move made by the city in the recent uptick in cases, as well as surging COVID-19 activity in other states around the country. Uh, This is cause for concern and motivated this move to dial back reopening in certain high risk environments. Uh, The reinstatement of certain restrictions will go into effect Friday, July 24th, this Friday at 12.01 a.m. All right. So if it's 12 a.m. Oh, you can do some crazy shit there. And then 1201, you got to stop. All right. Uh, Let's see here. These restrictions will include bars, taverns, breweries, and other establishments that serve alcohol for on-site consumption without a retail food license will no longer be able to serve customers indoors. Indoors, that's the key. You can still do outdoors. There's breweries all around where I live, and it, they seem perfectly acceptable. People are social distancing. They're wearing masks, uh, so and they're outdoors. So I'm glad that the city been having trouble with that word D. But well, Maya, I think yeah, I think you did it during the Maya interview too, or maybe Maya uh, did it. I don't know. Uh, the city, <laughs> uh, the city is being a little more what nuanced. Uh, in their approach, so uh, I'm I'm happy uh, like they're giving breweries, uh, outdoor breweries, uh, a break here. All right, uh, restaurants that serve alcohol will be allowed to continue to operate as long as they abide by ongoing COVID-19 guidance and existing regulations. It says here establishments without food may still provide outdoor service as they did under phase three maximum party size and table occupancy at restaurants bars taverns and breweries will be reduced to six people Uh, indoor fitness class size will be reduced to a maximum of 10 people personal services requiring the uh, the removal of face coverings will no longer be permitted this is uh, it says shaves facials etc residential property managers will be asked to limit 
uh, guest entry to five per unit to avoid indoor gatherings and parties. Hey, I'm not going to help me on the rent, but we're going <laughs> to talk about how many people you can fit in there. Uh, and uh, so those are the restrictions here. And uh, the press release goes on to say we've made so much progress here in Chicago in containing the spread of the virus, protecting our health system and saving lives. And in general, the virus remains under control locally. But we are again seeing a steady increase in new cases. While we aren't near the peak of the pandemic from earlier this year, none of us want to go back there and we feel these restrictions will help limit further community spread. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, the big challenge up ahead, and we'll probably be talking about this later, is uh, schools. Uh, dealing with uh, children going back to school, how many, how many days. So uh, we're, look, D, no one said this was easy. By the way, there was another article in the newspaper about your beloved Madison uh, County downstate uh, where the, uh, the number of COVID cases are going up. And uh, they're pointing out that there's a problem because Missouri is so wide open and free. People coming from Missouri uh, just across the, the river into Madison County uh, are, are helping spread the disease. I remember when this first... The, the we were first coming face to face with the pandemic and the attitude of so many people downstate was it's just an upstate problem. You know, it was like as though the virus was just like something that existed in Chicago. And the further you got away from Chicago, the virus didn't like it. Like, I don't like Madison County. I like Chicago. And that's still uh, kind of a thing. I was still kind of getting that vibe uh, from people, too. Uh, it's Absolutely, it's yeah. so funny, the downstate upstate dynamic, you know, uh, when um, I was talking to people at the funeral, uh, there were people. It's just so funny, like how downstaters are with Chicago. They'd ask me, they go, so you're the one that lives in Chicago, right? And I go, yeah. And they go. So when you moving back, like, okay, <laughs> all right. Or they'd go, why do you live that? Why do you live up there? And I'm like, I don't know. Good food, uh, career opportunities. I don't know. You know, yeah, so, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it's all a matter of where you live. So just, anyway, it was just so funny. But uh, once again, shout out to everybody who weighed in uh, Rose. Uh, or Roe on the live stream chat. She reached out here. She sent me a clip of a uh, Lightfoot. I'm going to cut that up and play it for tomorrow. Thank you very much, Roe. Uh, on to the live stream chat. Uh, let's see here. How about a bobblehead manigan? Okay, I don't think we're going to be giving those away, Kathy. Uh, and I think that's about it. Oh, okay. Michael Blago for speaker. Come on, we're not doing that. <laughs> Oh, by the way, Michael Girardi, uh, he sent us a new song uh, while I was away. So we're going to try and play that tomorrow as well. So Michael Girardi still, still making hits for the Ben Jarofsky show. Ben, isn't that cool? That's uh, absolutely cool. I missed it. That was one of, the, one of the many things I missed last week uh, when Dr. D was gone. We didn't hear Michael Girardi. Although, let's give Brian credit. Uh, on Friday, he broke out his guitar. And played a little guitar. And it sounded uh, better than that noise Ben made. I can guarantee it. Uh, oh, oh, here's one before we go. Pat Rod, what up, dude? He uh, says Carlos Ramirez Rosa as the new house speaker. All right. Okay. Well, <laughs> I like the idea, the progressive idea, but of course he's an alderman. So we'd have to move him. We'd have to flip him. Who's the, uh, oh, Will Gazzardi. We would move Will Gazzardi from the state house. Give me credit for knowing, uh, you know, anyway, uh, Will Gazzardi would go from being the, uh, the state rep from Logan Square 
and become the alderman, and Carlos would go downstate. I'll tell you what, Lori Lightfoot would sign off on that, don't you think, Dave? Not a lot of love between Lori Lightfoot and Carlos Ramirez Rosa. And uh, Radio Doogie asked us, and I figured I'd ask as well, we just had Maya on. Uh, any thoughts or talks about uh, the future of First Tuesday? Uh, I have not had any conversation with Maya on that uh, in a while. And uh, I, I'm not really into the whole virtual uh, first Tuesday thing. Uh, I don't know. Too much Zoom in my life as it is. Uh, so I'm waiting dutifully for uh, the hideout to open. I saw something about that in the paper. So nothing uh, imminent to uh, uh, going back to first Tuesday. And don't forget his uh, idea, Radio Doogie's idea of a, uh, a patio party for the first Tuesday. No, that's actually a very good idea. I should talk to Timmy Tut about that at the hideout. All right. Once again, thank you, everybody, for reaching out here. Uh, this is going to be the uh, the deal here for maybe a week. Uh, we're going to do quarantine style. I'm in my apartment. Ben's in his attic. Throughout the week, I'm going to try and figure out the kinks here. Uh, maybe try some new apps. Uh, some people are suggesting some on the live stream chat. So we're going to be trying this out. Uh, you know, hang tight with us. We're so glad to be back live. I'm glad to be back live. I know that for sure. And uh, it's one it's it's an interesting concept when we do these live shows. So glad to be back and please weigh in with your thoughts and suggestions. You can send us an email. Benny J show at gmail.com. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show at gmail.com. Benny J show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Doogie weigh in help me out here you can send us a phone no you can send us a, a voicemail as well because yes we have a phone number all right i found the number here uh it's not a 773 it's not a 312 oh no those were all taken we got a 708 number it's 708 658 4788 that's correct that number again 708 658 4788 please leave us a voicemail if you watch your language and uh you know it's about local politics or ben or something we'll play it uh, and i want to remind everybody that uh later tonight we'll drop a second show uh podcast only terry cosgrove will be here we'll be dropping that at seven o'clock i haven't done the interview yet but he's fired up to talk about uh, some of the recent uh, decisions uh, at the Supreme Court having to deal with abortion. So we'll be getting into a lot of uh, personal pack talk, abortion talk, reproductive rights with Terry Cosgrove. And we'll drop that at 7 o'clock. Uh, so we'll have that second interview just like we always do on Tuesday. Bam! We thank you guys for joining us. We hope you join us tomorrow as well, 1 until 3 p.m. And for those on the download, always appreciate you. Yes, indeed. I want to thank Maya for doing the interview. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. He's back in Chicago, ladies and gentlemen. Back in Alton. They spent the whole weekend calling him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And, people, if you can't get enough Ben Jarofsky Show content, well, good news. We have like over 600 episodes of this show, all right? Go find them, both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast, weekend bonus interviews, shows you may have missed, all kinds of stuff. Go check it out. Once again, both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast, just go ahead now, search for The Ben Jarofsky Show, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y.
correct. That's correct. Let's begin with phase one. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore.